Yo, 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 what is up? Josh Morani here on Josh's Sports Show, and I've got my brother here again with me, co-hosting it up. Luca, what's up? Hello, what's good? Uh, it is nice to talk to you about sports. It was an eventful weekend, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, and we are going to break down what happened this weekend what went wrong for some teams, what went right for some teams. But before we get started with the wild card summary, there was a huge announcement today. The Eagles decided to fire head coach Doug Peterson. Luca, what does this mean for the Eagles? What's next? What do you think? Was this a good firing or not? I think this was a very, very poor decision. Because as we all know, they won that Super Bowl, I believe, in 2017 or 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's made it to the playoffs. I think he's 3-2 and two in a season for making playoffs, if I'm not wrong. No, I think you're right. So, with that kind of record and Super Bowl champion and coach of the year, I think this was a very poor decision. And there's a lot of coaches going around right now, so they'll probably have some interviews in the near future for them. But I do not think this was the right decision at all. I totally agree with you, Luca. This was a terrible decision by the Eagles. Terrible. I heard that there was a relationship fracture, fractured beyond repair between Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson. Uh, It was not repairable. Wentz uh, reports where he wanted to ask for a trade and wanted out of there. So the GM or the owner chose... Carson Wentz over Doug Peterson. That was his decision. And to me, it was a bad decision because Doug Peterson proved that he could win without Carson Wentz. He did not win the Super Bowl with Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was not the MVP of the Super Bowl. It was Nick Foles. And while Carson Wentz started that season great, it was really... Uh, Nick Foles that took him to the promised land with the guidance of Doug Peterson. And to Luca's point, they made the playoffs three of the five seasons, won the division twice, won a Super Bowl, coach of the year, has the credentials, was a great coordinator with Kansas City offensively. He put Philly back on the map. Andy Reid could not win a Super Bowl in Philadelphia, was there for a long time, had Donovan McNabb, had a bunch of great players, great talent, made it to the Super Bowl, but lost. But Doug Peterson was the coach that delivered. So I think that is very poor decision that they chose Carson Wentz over him. Of course, Carson Wentz kind of has a contract you can't trade because it is so big, and I don't think he's that good anymore. I think uh, if Doug Peterson was a coach, he would have continued with Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts has shown a ton of promise but Doug Peterson is now out, and all this pressure is now on Carson Wentz to perform with the new head coach, regardless of any other talent that is on the field. So now, what is next for Doug Peterson? There's been reports out there saying that he wants to maybe take a year off, he's going to go back to his home in Florida, assess his options, but the Jets need a head coach, there's been rumblings about that. I don't know if that will come to fruition. I hope he doesn't go to the Jets. Uh, Falcons need a head coach. Lions, Texans. So there's a lot of opportunities for Doug out there. 
But I think the best decision for him would be to go back to Kansas City in Andy Reid as an offensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, Eric Benimi, is most likely to get a job somewhere else this offseason. Mm-hmm. He's most likely not going to stay. And before Benimi, it was Doug Peterson as the offensive coordinator with Andy Reid. He was with Andy Reid, the coaching tree of Andy Reid. So I think him reuniting with Andy Reid would be best for Doug Peterson. And then he can get some ground underneath him. He doesn't have to take all this blame. And then if he succeeds again in Kansas City as an offensive coordinator, then he can entertain other head coaching jobs. But that's what I think would be best for Coach Peterson at the moment. What do you think, Luca? Do you think you should go coach somewhere else? And if so, what team do you think would be best for him to coach? I completely agree with what you just said because I can just imagine, like, they've already had been together for a couple years, so reuniting, it wouldn't be unusual for them. So I feel like they would, I mean, they're already amazing every year, so with that addition, they would probably do even better. So it'd be like the new dynasty. I'm glad you agree with me, Luca. One of the few times on football that you do. So now going into this past weekend's wild card, the super wild card weekend, and there was a ton of great matchups to watch. And the first one we started off with was the Colts and the Bills. I picked the Colts to be close in half and then the Bills to kind of wipe them out. In the second half, Luca picked the Bills huge over the uh, Colts, but it was a very close game. Luca, what did you learn from both of these teams? What did you learn from the Colts? What did you learn from the Bills? Why was it so close? It was close because of that defense. If the Colts could get like Deshaun Watson, he's talking about getting traded. So if they could add him or a better quarterback than Philip Rivers, because if they could be that close without a franchise quarterback and adding one such as Deshaun Watson, that could bring them to the playoffs Mm -hmm. every single year and most likely win their division. I agree. And to me, not only do I agree with you about the Colts' defense, but to me, the Colts' offense looked better too. The Colts had more first downs had a better third down proficiency than the Bills. They ran more plays and had more yards. The Bills, or the Colts outgained the Bills 472 to 397. They controlled time of possession. They played clean. They played good. But the key, the reason why the Colts lost this game was that they could not finish in the red zone. They had five red zone trips and only scored twice down there in the red zone. That is not a recipe to win a close game. Uh, Rodrigo Blankenship missed a field goal. It wasn't a chip shot by any means, but it was pretty darn close to that. He missed it, so you wouldn't have to have had to rely on the final kick or the final throw. And then the other huge play for the Colts was when they turned the ball over on downs at the Buffalo four-yard line. They had the ball at the Buffalo 5. They had multiple tries to get it in, and they could not punch the football in to get the touchdown. The coach said that was the right call. They were going for it, and I think if they were to have got that touchdown, that was the kill shot 
on the Bills, but they could not convert. That totally changed the game. Next thing you know, Bills drive for a touchdown and score before the end of the halftime. And then, to me, the other key was the Bills field goal kicker. I think Tyler Bass is his name. I know Bass is his last name. I don't know about his first name, Bass. But he had an amazing kick. He played great. And the Bills got lucky when Josh Allen fumbled the football at the end of the game. And they actually recovered it, forcing a punt. But if a Colts were to have recovered it, that would have been huge, giving them more time, not wasting any more timeouts. So, Luca, I know you mentioned that uh, the Colts have Phillip Rivers. It was a one-year contract, so he's technically a free agent. Mm-hmm. Do you think uh, Phillip Rivers is done? Do you think he's going to retire, or do you think he has more football left in him? I don't see him going anywhere else or any other team that would want him after that performance. I mean, the Patriots just got rid of Cam, or they didn't get rid of him, but he's also going into free agency, so he might go there. But I think he's going to go home when his family is all of his kids. This is tough. I know before the game, Philip Rivers did mention retirement. And he didn't know if this was his last game or not. He is up there. I do not think he is done playing football. I think he will be back with the Colts. I think it will be on a much cheaper deal. He did play very well in that wild card game, I thought. Uh, He was polished. He was clean. Uh, He made good throws. Uh, Jonathan Taylor running the football nines. They had some great runs. And Michael Pittman did well. But they stopped Devin Singletary. Josh Allen was a leading rusher. But they really could not contain Stephon Diggs. Uh, Really no team has stopped Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. That combination this season It has been lethal. I am looking forward to the Bills-Ravens matchup next Saturday night. Me too. That will be for a future podcast. But the Colts, I don't... They have a lot to be proud of this year. That defense, the way they played... I respect the Colts, and I wish Philip Rivers, if he does retire, nothing but the best. Next was the Rams and the Seahawks, and my God, that was terrible. That was hard to watch. My brother's a Seahawks fan. I love rooting for the Seahawks. Russell Wilson, I'm a huge supporter of him, but my God, that was tough to watch. That was after... It was tough to watch two weeks ago when the Seahawks beat the Rams, but they looked good, at least decent. That defense looked good. Russell Wilson was making plays, but this Saturday, this past Saturday, it was boring. I fell asleep through certain parts of the game. It was not exciting to me, uh, and Seattle looked so bad. The Rams had more first downs, more plays, more yards. Luka what did you gather from this game? What were your thoughts on this Rams and Seahawks game? This was a very hard-to-watch game. And I think it was coaching. I think there was a big coaching problem during this game with Russell, of course, having that interception, Carson having 16 carries for only 77 yards, and then Jalen Ramsey, was uh, he's phenomenal like every game. So that really didn't help the Seahawks' case. But there, there was like, they go to like second and one, third and one, 
I feel like they should go for more for fourth downs because it's very close. They always have like fourth and one, and then they punt. They never go for it. So I think they should man up and start going for more fourth downs. I agree with you on that. On what you said, there was a lot of second and ones, third and ones, where he kept trying to punch it in. Chris Carson, he didn't get it. Carlos Hyde couldn't get it, and then you pump a ball. Uh, Pete Carroll didn't take a lot of risks that game, even when there was a crucial fourth and one. Down by 10 points. I think he should have gone for it, played it safe with the defense, but the defense was getting tired because Cam Akers ran over this team. 28 carries, 131 yards, and a touchdown. He played phenomenal. Jared Goff, I think, outplayed Russell Wilson with his broken thumb, which is sad to say. Of course, Russell Wilson got a couple of touchdowns, but he didn't look clean. Uh, and I think the real turning point of that game was that pick six by the Rams. That was huge. I think it was the only screen pass this season to be intercepted. And, of course, it had to be at this time. Russell Wilson, the DK Metcalf, who would have thought that play would have ended in a touchdown on the defensive side? Nobody would have thought that. Nobody. No, That is one of the cleanest, safest plays. If anything, DK could turn up field, break some tackles, and you never know. But a pick six, that guy read that like a book. It was terrible. Terrible. And that is what really put the Seahawks in a decline the rest of the game. They stuttered on offense. Uh, Jamal Adams was playing through injuries. It said that he tore his labrum. He's getting off-season surgery on that. Uh, DK Metcalf was frustrated by Jalen Ramsey. Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald tore that poor offensive line up, got in the backfield, which will give Russell a little break, but not a huge one because he didn't play well either. Even when Aaron Donald went down in the third quarter and was injured, that pass rush somehow looked even better than it did before without Aaron Donald, which is saying something about this Rams defense. They just are legit. This is a defense that could carry a team to the Super Bowl if Jared Goff doesn't make mistakes. When he makes mistakes, I don't think they have a chance, but when he plays clean like he did against the Seahawks, they have a chance, and when they run the football well. Of course, they have some injuries to look out of. You don't know about Aaron Donald. Cooper Cup was limping. I hope they're nothing but the best going forward. But, Luca, what's next for the Seahawks? They don't have a first-round pick traded for Jamal Adams. Uh, they have a lot of free agents coming into the league on the defensive side. It's getting older. Their defense wasn't good this offseason or this past season. So what do you think is next for the Seahawks? I think, of course, making some valuable time out of their draft picks and getting some good free agents to really help that defense out and just regroup, regrouping and regathering on that season, see what you can learn from that and not play as sloppy next year. Obviously, you can't be perfect, but try to limit the turnovers so that you can make it far in the playoffs. I agree, and I'm going to go one step further. I'm calling for Pete Carroll to be fired. This is a plea to fire Pete Carroll. I am not saying he's a bad coach by any stretch of the imagination. He is a great coach. He was great in college. He was great in the NFL. He's won a Super Bowl. He's won multiple division titles. But since that 
2014 or 2015 Super Bowl against the Patriots, this team has not been the same. I think it has fractured the psyche of Pete Carroll and the psyche of Russell Wilson. And guess what is the most important relationship in football? It's the head coach and quarterback combo. That's the most important relationship, and they are both cracked right now. They have not really had any playoff success since their last Super Bowl appearance. And I think Pete Carroll needs to get fired. I don't know who the replacement would be. I think somebody at least younger than him, uh, Matt Campbell from Iowa State, maybe even take a look at Doug Peterson, a high-flying offense kind of thing. Because the thing is, when Russ is cooking, they need to let Russ cook. If Carson is doing fine running, then that opens up a lot more to the offense it does. But you cannot force the run when you have a terrible offensive line and you don't have an elite running back. Chris Carson is a good running back, but he is not elite by any stretch of the imagination. I'm sorry, he's not. And I'm a Chris Carson fan. I want him to do well. I like the Seahawks, but it is super disappointing for the Seahawks to win the division and then uh, stutter like they did in the playoffs and just spaz out and just play so bad. I mean, it was hard to watch, very hard to watch. Uh, Offensive coordinator Shoddy called a terrible game, I think, as well. As long with Pete Carroll, I think he should be fired. Ken Norton should be fired. I think they should all just clean house, except for special teams, because Jason Sanders was really, I mean, uh, who's the kicker again, Luca? Myers. Yes, uh, Myers. It was the only bright spot. Didn't miss one field goal this whole season and hit from 61 yards. And I'm glad they found a reliable kicker. But no, I think a new head coach is in order to coach Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is getting older. He's going to be 33 next season. That's not ancient by any stretch of imagination. He says he wants to play till 40. That's another seven. If he plays till Brady's age, that's 10 years. But I think it is time for a change in Seattle. And I hope it happens. I don't think it will, but it needs to happen for the sake of the Seattle Seahawks. Any chance of making it to a Super Bowl. Because this past weekend was pathetic to watch. Pathetic. And I don't know if I can watch a Seahawks game or a Seahawks team like this anymore. I hope they go into the offseason with this loss really fueling them, wanting them to make changes, wanting to be better, because it was not a good appearance for them at all. Not a good showing. Didn't show up at all. Didn't show up. All right, Luca. Next, after that game, the Bucks and the football team. And just a side note, me and Luca did pick the Seahawks against the Rams, so that was terrible. Nice. Bucks and the football team, we both picked... The Bucks to crush the football team. We thought this game was going to be a blowout. I didn't even know if the football team was actually going to get a touchdown. But Luca, the football team kept it close. What did you learn from this game from both teams? What did you see? What popped out to you? The football team's quarterback, Heineke, actually had some pretty good plays in that game. Other than that interception, he did really good with that touchdown. 300 yards, good completion percentage. So that was really the highlight of the that game. But I feel like for the Bucks, they need to start using Gronkowski more. 
because this that past game he didn't get a single reception. So if they start incorporating Gronk more, I say if they use their main top people, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, and Gronkowski, if they start using them a little more, then that will be um, even better for the Bucks coming into the game against the New Orleans Saints. I agree. And one thing, when I was looking at watching this game, and I was looking back at it, the Bucks and the football team had the same amount of drives. They both had 12 drives in the game. It was equal, but the Bucks were able to do more on 12 drives than the football team did. Brady was phenomenal, 22 for 40, 381 yards and two touchdowns. That pass to Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown running, was amazing. Tom Brady has looked amazing this last stretch. Antonio Brown, I think, has found his groove in this offense. Mike Evans is, to me, a fringe top five wide receiver. Uh, this game, he looked amazing. I didn't know if he was even going to be playing with that awkward landing on his knee last week. But he came out and didn't even look like he skipped a beat. And then Ronald Jones was out. And Leonard Fournette looked like the Leonard Fournette of old pounding the football, getting a touchdown. It was great to watch Tampa Bay play so well. And this offense is lethal. And I think the main reason why this Bucks team beat the football team is that rush defense. As Luca said, Heineke didn't play bad. He played amazing for, to me uh, watching him not playing a football game in a while not a meaningful snap 26 for 44 306 yards one touchdown one interception he played great and almost carried this team to a win but that interception was very very costly and then another thing that stood out to me was this Buccaneers defense not the back end not the secondary because they were getting torched a little bit by Heineke. But this front seven was ferocious. They took the running game out of it. Completely eliminated it where Heineke had to throw it. And Heineke was the leading rusher with 46 yards. So when you take away the leading running back and make a team one-dimensional. It really is such a huge benefit to your football team. You don't have to worry about play action, but with this Buccaneers pass defense being so bad that it really doesn't matter. Sims played well, 104 yards. Uh, this football team's defense was good. Of course, uh, Chase Young seemed to tweak his knee, it looked like his leg. Near the end of the game, he didn't play it, but guess what? Chase Young wanted Tom Brady. He said he wanted him, and guess what? He got Tom Brady. And Tom Brady performed well. They didn't put him on the ground a lot. They didn't sack him a ton. And Chase Young, I'm sorry, uh, you don't say those things to the GOAT before the game. You can talk after the game. Uh, but there was a lot of respect between Chase Young and Tom Brady after the game. Tom Brady and Heineke after the game because he played so dang well. And this uh, Bucks team, I think is in for a great matchup next week against the Saints. We'll get into that in a later podcast episode, but I am really high on this Bucks team right now. I hope it doesn't come back to bite me in the butt, but I am high on the Bucks. So, Luca, what is next for the football team? What is next for Washington for them? What do you think? I would say util- 
or using Heineke and really bring out what he can do since he looked very good in that game. So like highlighting their extremely good players such as like Chase Young, Heineke was really good in that game, and signing a couple free agents, that could really help them to get back to the playoffs next year. I agree. Uh, I don't know about Heineke. I do not think Heineke is a starter in the NFL. I don't think he's that player. I don't. I think he is a great backup. He's the backup teams want, teams need, but he's not a starter in the NFL. Uh, Alex Smith is old. He's contemplating retirement. He doesn't know. It's been a great comeback player of the year story. I know he's going to get the award. It has been great to watch Alex Smith play really so well, and it was such a huge loss for him not to be in that playoff game. But as Lucas said, Heineke played amazing. I don't know if Alex Smith will stay or not, but I think Ron Rivera did a great job with his team. I think this defense has potential to be the number one defense in the league at some point because with all four four first-round starters on the defensive line, that is what the 49ers did, and it is really a recipe for a great defense and a great team. But I just don't know about the quarterback situation and the running back situation. That offense does need quite a bit of work, a lot of bit of tweaking on that, maybe a free agent signing. Of course, you have a draft, see what they can pick up. Mm-hmm. But I, it is hopeful for the football team because you are in such a terrible division in the NFC East, just terrible. I don't know if any team will have a winning record again next year. But if they can get at least a decent quarterback, I think they'll be all right. Maybe at best an 8-8 eight and eight team. But, again, they are lucky to be in the NFC East. Any other conference, I don't see great things for them. But I do hope Alex Smith well and the Washington football team and that defense well as well going into the offseason. So that was Saturday wrapped up. Now Sunday, the first game was the Ravens. Versus the Titans. Now, this was so painful for me to watch. I am such, such a Derrick Henry fan. I love Derrick Henry. I love myself. So I'm Derrick Henry, just running the football, getting 100 to 200 yards a game, pounding it away, stiff-arming, making defenses look pathetic, turning defensive backs into lead blockers like he did to Earl Thomas last year. But this did not happen. It didn't. Quite the opposite happened. Quite the opposite. And I'm still upset. Very, very upset over what happened in this game. But Luca, I'll let you speak first. I'll let you have a floor. What happened between the Ravens and the Titans? How did the Ravens win this game? You picked the Ravens to win. You did. You said it was close. Ravens would win. I went the other way. I went with the Titans. I was wrong. I was wrong. But what did you see from these two teams? So, other than the Seahawks, the Ravens are my second favorite team. So, this was a very fun game to watch. And them to put so much people on the front line to stop Derrick Henry. And it worked. I feel like if Tannehill would have thrown the ball more, and of course on that last play, A.J. Brown was waving his hand looking for Tannehill. And then he threw that interception, which led to the end of the game. So if Tannehill could perform better and start throwing the ball a little more, then they could have won this game. And Lamar played phenomenally. He had that, like, 50-something, or, like, he ran from half 
field to all the way to the end zone. That was such a fun game to watch. Uh, that was not fun to watch. I am still disappointed. My King Henry jersey didn't arrive, and I don't know if I want it to arrive at this point. I'm fine if it doesn't come. I will still am going to root for the Titans. I am still going to root for Derrick Henry because I love myself some Derrick Henry. He is big-time, showtime, best running back in the league, MVP contender. He's just that dude. He is. But this loss is solely on Mike Rabel in the offensive coordinator. The Ravens' game plan was to stop Derrick Henry and force Tannehill to throw the football. And that's easier said than done. A lot of people say, guess what, we're going to stop Derrick Henry. But the Ravens actually stopped Derrick Henry. They held him to 40 40 rushing rushing yards. On 18 carries. They did a phenomenal job. I was watching it. And they were had 8-9 people at the line of scrimmage. Just stopping Derrick Henry. And after that first drive. Guess what Tennessee adjusted? They basically threw the ball. The whole time on the second uh, possession. They got a touchdown. A.J. Brown. That connection looked great. The drive after that. Did the same thing. Did well. Ended up with a field goal. And I was thought. Oh. If you're going to stop Derrick Henry, guess what? Tannehill is going to beat him because they have a stud in A.J. Brown at wide receiver. So they're going to do it. But that did not happen. As Lucas said, uh, Lamar had a brilliant run. The defensive backs were turned to the end zone. So Lamar basically had a free 10, 15 yards before anybody even saw him take off. And then by then it was already too late because he reached the end zone. Not even touched. He dove on his own. And Lamar took this game over, not by his throwing ability, but by his running ability. Throwing the ball, he really didn't look crisp with that, especially that ugly interception he threw. That was horrible. But him running the football, 16 carries, 136 yards and a touchdown, that is where he did the damage. And that Titans defense did not play well containing him. They did contain him at times, sacking him, but they let him run around too much and... Not you need when you contain Lamar, you need to bring pressure on both sides to contain him on the edge and then up the middle so he has no room to escape. And guess what? He escaped through the middle on that long touchdown run, and then to ice the game, he ran on the edge and took off. And he probably could have got a touchdown on that last run, but instead he just took the easy way out just so that they could ice the game. But I will give Lamar props for his performance. He got the monkey off his back. Uh, actually won a playoff game. I was picking on him all year long for not winning a playoff game, but he finally did it. And the Ravens, to me, kind of looked better in that second half. I was worried watching it. I was like, uh, this is not looking good for the Titans. And it didn't. The Ravens outgained the Titans basically by double. 401 yards to 209. The passing was about the same, but as I said, the rushing was a difference. Derrick Henry couldn't get anything going. Because he was getting stuffed all game long. One, two yards a carry. And uh, Lamar Jackson was tearing the Titans up on the ground. But as I said earlier, the Titans were doing well throwing the football. They abandoned that too much. A.J. Brown played good. Six receptions, 83 yards, and a touchdown. I feel like he should have had 15 receptions. And he could have had 
150 yards. But the play calling was horrendous. They tried to force the ball too much with Derrick Henry when they couldn't get anything going. And when they had a good connection going with Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown, they didn't. They abandoned that and really took that away for two quarters, not even throwing to A.J. Brown. And that was the downfall of the Titans, the poor play calling, the poor decisions. And to me, for the Titans, they made it to the AFC Championship game last season. To me, your season was not a success if you didn't repeat that. So to me, their season is a failure, even if Tannehill had a career year, and same with Henry. So Bills play the Ravens next week. We'll get into that later. But Luca, what is next for the Titans? How do they recover after getting shocked by the Ravens? Also, with Jadavian Clowney, yeah, I feel like that could have really helped them to stop Lamar that game. So next season, they need to fix how their whole coaching system works. Their defense isn't good. They need to start doing things good on offense. Special teams is okay. Goskowski's been doing, he did good in that game. I don't think he missed a field goal or an extra point. And so getting a couple defensive players in the draft and free agency and maybe hiring a new coach would really save this team and possibly make them a Super Bowl contending team. I'm going to hold you right there. I do not think the head coach is a problem. That, to me, is straight blasphemy that just came out of your mouth. That was that was terrible to hear. I'm sorry. I mean, what what the heck did you just say about that? They do not need a new head coach. They made it to the AFC Championship game last season. They were in there with the Chiefs for the half. Just because you had a bad play call, bad game, doesn't mean... You but just fire the guy. It was like this for most of the season because no other team could stop Derrick Henry. They did not adjust properly to win this game. But it, I'm just saying it is one game. They didn't adjust properly. Uh, I want to see Vrabel back again next year and see what he can do because to me, Derrick Henry is the engine. If uh, To me, Derrick Henry is not on the Titans. The Titans are an 8-8 eight and eight team. I don't care who else the running back is. But they're not going to be that good, even with that roster and that defense. I think if their defense is better, if they draft, maybe sign a free agent or two, uh, especially on that front seven, get some edge rushers. Because I don't know if Jadavion Clowney is ever going to be healthy again for 16 games playing. I agree. All right. So I'm sorry about your take on Mike Vrabel. I can't accept that. But I hope... Mike Vrabel, nothing but the best in the offseason. I hope they show up their defensive issues and they play well next year. I'm looking forward to possibly Derrick Henry breaking that record for most rushing yards in a season. I hope he gets that done. That's the only way for him to win the MVP. Also, the Titans offensive coordinator is looking for a head coach spot somewhere else. So if he gets hired, then they'll definitely need a new offensive coordinator. So that could work out for them. I agree with you as that. As well, there I think there will be a lot of, not a lot, but a, some crucial changes coming to Tennessee this offseason. So the next was the Bears versus Saints, the Nickelodeon broadcast. That was horrible. Uh, you oh picked, my gosh. <laughs> you picked the Bears 45-31. That's the only one that stood out to me because I thought, who is this kid? Why would I have him on my podcast? 45-31. That's basically blasphemy. This Saints team has looked so good. Everybody knows the depth of this team. 
And to hear a wild take like that, it was... Okay, I couldn't believe out, it. And I picked the Saints to win. I picked the Saints. He picked the Bears. So I'll hear you out, Luca. What do you have to say? What do you have to say for yourself? The you Bears, need to apologize. The Bears had a couple tough breaks. Obviously, in the beginning of that game, when that guy dropped that wide-open touchdown pass, that was that was horrible. So if he could have caught that, that would make it a lot closer. And then they just had a couple turnovers that really didn't help them at all. Chubisky didn't throw a single interception. They were just getting stopped right away, right as soon as they got the ball. So... If he could have caught that touchdown pass, and that touchdown at the end was a nice catch. I feel bad for Jimmy Graham. He caught it and then just left Ryan to the locker room. I agree with some of your points, Luca, but the Saints were one of the top teams this season. I can't believe you went against them. I think you should apologize to everybody on that take. I think you need to say, but- I'm sorry for this take. I thought Mitchell Trubisky was better, and he isn't. Bro, but it was that... Because if that guy would have caught it... Because they didn't kick the extra point at the end since time was out. Yes. So it would have been 17... They probably would have gone for two points. 18-21 to 21 if they would have got it. So then it would have been a field goal game. So then it would have been close. Really close, actually. I'm sorry to disagree with you. I think I agree with you on the drop touchdown by Mims. In his hands, a uh, perfect throw by Mitchell Trubisky. If he would have caught that, it would have been 7-7. Seven to seven, And it was going to be like, hey, the Bears came to play. They're in this game. But he dropped it. And after that drop, the Bears stalled. They didn't convert on fourth down. And they looked like terrible the rest of the game. It basically could have ended 21-3. to three. Uh I think the Bears only had one third down completion. They were terrible on third down. Mitchell Trubisky did not play well. The receivers didn't play well. Their running game, David Montgomery, who has been so good this season, they made him a non-factor. The only highlight from the Bears this whole game was that Jimmy Graham catch. That was spectacular. He caught that, then dipped, and he said, my season's over. But at least I made a highlight, real, worthy catch. Yeah, that drop really set the mood for the rest of the game for both teams. Because the Bears really did nothing after that except for that one last touchdown catch at the final second. Mm-hmm. And Drew Brees, he looked rusty, but he was efficient. Uh, 265 yards, two touchdowns. Of course, his completion percentage is always pretty good. But he didn't look like the Drew Brees that we're accustomed to seeing. Of course, he's getting older. But I know with his injuries that he had this season that it is tough to go out there and perform. The rushing attack with Kamara is good. He was one short of 100 yards. Uh, That defense looked really good. Uh, Up and down with Cameron Jordan, Marshawn Lattimore, the Jenkins uh, brothers on there, Malcolm and Janoris, they looked amazing. Uh, Taysom Hill had that one bonehead uh, play. But to me, the only blunder on the New Orleans Saints was when they went for it on fourth down and Drew Brees uh, was at the one-yard line, crossed the ball over the line, or so he thought, and then he said, we're getting in. And guess what? He didn't get the ball in. To me, seemed pretty short. I'm glad they reviewed it, and it was short, because guess what, Drew Brees? 
you were not in. You weren't getting in. You didn't fully extend the ball over the line. Ball didn't break the plane of the line. To me, that was the only real blunder. But this was a nice tune-up test for next week against the Bucks, which is going to be a marquee matchup next week. Uh, both teams are healthy. Michael Thomas is back. He looked good, had a couple of good catches. But, Luca, what is next for the Bears? Mitchell Trubisky is a free agent. Do you think he resigns? What's next? I feel like they just really need a quarterback. Because throughout the season, they switched from Foles and Trubisky. Because David Montgomery was good most of the season. They always have a good defense. Allen Robinson did really good that game. So if they could get a quarterback that could make those throws and take them to win most games of the season, then that could help them make the playoffs most years. Mm-hmm. I agree. I I think Mitchell Trubisky will resign. He won't have no crazy contract. He'll have a decent contract to be in there with Nick Foles. But I agree with you that if the Bears want to compete, they need to fire Coach Nagy, because he is not the one to deliver him, and they do need a real quarterback with a decent defense, still led by Khalil Mack, who's a game-changer, a good running game with David Montgomery, but yes, a crucial, crucial quarterback and coach duo is needed to really take this Bears team to the next level. All right. And then the final game of the wild card weekend was probably, to me and to most of America, the most shocking game. Uh, Luca had the Steelers winning close. I had the Browns winning close. I think a lot of people thought this was going to be a close game. Cleveland's head coach being out. But it to me, the score, Browns won by 11 points. But it didn't feel that close at all, really, the entire game. No. Luca. What happened? How did the Browns pull this out and win by so much? What did you see? First off, I thought the Steelers were going just based off the coaching situation. If they're their coaching, then I feel like I would have picked them. But he, that offensive coordinator, I think, was the coach of that game. Yeah, the offensive coordinator Mike Freifer or Freifer was, yeah. Yeah, he did really good that game. So I think he could, I think he'll stay for this season. But he might be getting some offers from other teams because he played so good in that game. And Baker did amazing. And really was like the first play of that game. Like that one Super Bowl with the Seahawks and Broncos. It just went straight straight to the back of the end zone. And then the Browns got that easy touchdown. And then it just carried out through that whole game. Going 28-0 in the first quarter. And Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt ran all over that defense. Mm-hmm. Yes, they did. And like they just the Steelers defense could not stop anything that game. I totally agree with you, Luca. I'm glad you highlighted the uh, Cleveland offense first because I'm gonna really pick apart the Steelers first and how poorly they played. So their first, let's see, one, two, three, four. Their first seven possessions of the game. Their first was a fumble touchdown, Luca mentioned. The center lopped it 10 yards over Big Ben's head, and the Browns got it in the end zone touchdown. The next play for Pittsburgh, next offensive possession, was an interception, led to a Browns touchdown, then a punt, uh, which I believe led to a Browns touchdown, Mm -hmm. then another interception, led to a Browns touchdown, 
then another punt, then another interception. So their first seven possessions were a fumble touchdown for the Browns, interception, punt, interception, punt, interception. Uh, Big Ben was terrible that oh, first man. half. It was bad to watch him. And when there's a fumble touchdown like that in the, as the first play of the game, Browns are up 7-0, guess what? You can recover from that. It's only seven points. You know, you move on. But Big Ben really was the MVP for the Browns because he played so poorly that first half throwing three interceptions in the first half. It was not a good performance at all by the Steelers. He finished with four interceptions, and he was not well. Even though he got 500 yards... Uh, Juju got like 150 yards. To me, those stats really don't count because guess what? They were down 28-0, to 35-7, 35-10.5. So after halftime, you know what? They're going to throw the football the whole time. I Bro, they had 68 attempts of throwing that game. I feel like they should have ran the ball just a bit more because James Conner averaged 3.4 yards a game and got a touchdown. I agree, but they abandoned the run because guess what? You have to throw it. And as Lucas said, Baker played amazing. The running game was great. Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb carried the rock. The defense uh, played decent, as Lucas said. Their offensive coordinator was coaching the game. Mike Pfeiffer played great, had an offensive game plan that was great going into the game. They stayed aggressive for the most part. Joel Petonio, their starting guard, was out. Then their backup got hurt. Baker Mayfield made some joke at their backup's <laughs> backup. He just met him before the game. So, no, it was amazing to watch. And this is the Baker that we've all been waiting to see. This was the Baker that I love. The Baker that is so fun to watch. The Baker that is the gunslinging quarterback from Oklahoma. The cocky man who backs it up, talks the talk, walks the walk. This is the Baker that I wanted to see coming into the league. You got glimpses of it. The rookie year, last year not so much. And then this year he has taken it to a whole nother level. He has a tough matchup next week. But watching this team play the way they do has been so much fun and I am looking forward to this future Browns team with this offensive coordinator who's great Kevin Stefanski coming back but Denzel Ward starting cornerback this Browns team you better watch out you better not sleep on them because this team is for real and I like watching teams that are for real I don't like fraudulent teams like the Seahawks were they were fraudulent they were fraudulent but the Browns looked like this weekend they could beat anybody they could play with anybody but Luca, what is next for the Steelers? Big Ben is another quarterback who is old. He is another one who may be retired. We've been talking about it. What's next for the Steelers? There could be a lot of turns for this team next season. Obviously, Juju heading into free agency. He could be re-signed. And Big Ben possibly happening going into retirement. So if assuming both of those guys leave then I really don't think there's much hope for this Steelers team because they're going to keep their coach because they have a phenomenal coach. So it's really, this is not going to be too much of a good team next year. Maybe drafting or signing a QB and getting a receiver or two could help them out next season if they do decide to leave the Steelers.
I think Juju will resign. I think he says he wants to stay in Pittsburgh. Of course, that's not always the case with free agency. You never know. Money talks to a lot of people. I think Big Ben will stay for another year, have another year on his contract, sign a one-year deal, uh, see what success they can replicate. But the Steelers, after they started 11-0, even those few games they won after they were 8-0, they were on a downward trend. They were on a downward spiral. They really didn't look good the second half of the season where they lost four of their last five regular season games and then that playoff game yesterday uh, was really just accumulation of all their uh, poorness in the one. Uh, that defense, of course, hampered by injuries to Devin Bush, but Dupree, TJ Watts, a stud still, but this defense healthy is a number one, I think, in the league right there with the Rams. Uh, but I hope nothing best for Big Ben if he does retire. I hope it's not the end of the line for him. I think he does have one year left in him. He played great getting the ball out of his hand so quick to his wide receivers this season. Uh, but you never know in the NFL. And I do hope the best for the Steelers going forward. It is more fun to watch with a good rivalry like the Brown Steelers and Ravens Steelers. But then again, Cleveland has a tough matchup coming up. And then next is tonight's national championship game. The marquee matchup we've all been waiting for for about 10 days now. Alabama, Ohio State, 1 versus 3. Top dog Alabama, 3 seed Ohio State. Luca, what do you think of this game? Who has the advantage? Who wins this game? I feel like the roll tide have the biggest advantage in this game having Mac Jones, Najee Harris, and Devonta Smith, and of course Nick Saban. And they lead the league in nearly everything. It just goes on in their stats. So I feel like I don't think this team could do wrong. It's just going to come down to whoever turns the ball over more. Whoever has the most turnovers, I feel like will lose this game. But I think Alabama will come out on top at this game. All right, I am with you. I am also rolling tide. I'll have my Alabama sweater out tonight. Alabama has looked good this whole season. Uh, I think they average almost 50 points a game, which is absurd. And when they have faced top defenses this season, they haven't even looked phased. But for first defense they faced, which was really good, was Georgia. They put up 41 points. Points on Georgia, 41 on a top defense. Then they just played Notre Dame, and they put up 31 on them. And they could have put up a lot more on Notre Dame, and it looked like they stopped. Najee Harris was hurdling dudes. Devontae Smith is one of the Heisman, playing lights out, catching the football, a great route runner. So Alabama, even when facing great defenses, to me, uh, they have too many playmakers on the field with Mac Jones throwing the football, Najee Harris. Devontae Smith, that O-line is decent. Of course, it's hampered by the injury to the center. But Jalen Waddell might be back tonight if he returns. That is just another electric superstar. And then, to me, the storyline for Alabama will be that offensive line versus the defensive line. Ohio State has a very stout defensive line. They got after Trevor Lawrence last week. Uh, They made him feel uncomfortable, even with four people rushing. If they do that to Mac Jones today, just bringing four people, 
that will definitely help Ohio State out in winning this game. But if Ohio State doesn't control the line of scrimmage and Najee Harris runs the football well, Mac Jones has time to throw, this could be a very, very long game for the Ohio State Buckeyes. And as a Michigan fan, I would love nothing more than to see the Buckeyes in a world of hurt. And then, to me, the other key thing is going to be Trey Sermon for Ohio State this season. I think he had only 800 and something yards on 115 carries. Najee Harris had 13, 1,387 yards on 229 carries. So if Trey Sermon, so Najee Harris had double Trey Sermon's carries. So I'm saying if Trey Sermon rushed the same amount of Najee Harris had, he'd almost have 2,000 rushing yards. He'd be around 1,900, which is insane if he actually played a full season or he had the same amount of attempts as Najee Harris. Trey Sermon is the real deal, the real running back. I want to see how that Alabama defense tries to stop him. Another thing is how this Alabama defense tries to stop Justin Fields. Justin Fields played great last game, even playing through injury, which I thought was amazing. A tough performance. Amazing to watch him ball out with the extra padding. Looked like a mattress on that guy's side. But will this Alabama defense contain Justin Fields? Their defense is good, not like the defense of the past. And then this is Ryan Day's first time coaching a national championship game. Past times it has been Urban Meyer carrying the buck. This is Ryan Day's first time. How does he handle the pressure, especially facing an Alabama team with so many offensive weapons? How does he control and contain uh, Devontae Smith? If he can contain Devontae Smith, I think Ohio State chance has the best possibility of winning this game. If their defense plays well, controls line the scrimmage, contains Devontae Smith, they might actually just win this game if they do that. But that is a very tall task to ask for on both sides of the ball, is offensively and defensively. To me, Ohio State has to play perfect if they are to beat Alabama. Like they said, if, they, if Luca said they turn the football over, it's not going to be pretty for Ohio State. But I really have Alabama winning in this one. I think it'll be close. I think maybe each team makes a turnover or two, but... If they play clean, this game will be close. So, Luca, you said you have Alabama winning. What do you think the final score is going to be? Is it going to be a big win, or is it going to be closer? I feel like it's going to be like an okay game. Alabama's good. I don't think Ohio State's going to have... I feel like it's going to be close, because like you said with the Bills and Colts, like close during half. I don't think it will be that close during half. I think Alabama's going to rock them. All right, so you say, Brockham, what is your prediction? What's going to be the final score of a game when the clock hits zero? I'm going to say 41 Alabama to Ohio State 31. So you're, that's not really a blowout. 41-31, that's only 10 points. It, to me, you're For not convinced teams. that it's going to be a blowout. Is like, it really going to be It's going to be like that Brown Steelers game. They're going to be ahead like most of the game, and they're going to like save themselves because it's the national championship game. But I feel like they're going to try and come back at the end, but it's just not going to be enough time for them to come back. I think 
I'm, my brain is telling me, Josh, Alabama's going to crush them. It's going to be a huge win, like 52-35, to 17-point game. But my heart's telling me it's going to be closer. I think Alabama wins close. I do think it's going to be high-scoring. These are two potent offenses. But Alabama with Najee Harris, AP player of the year and Heisman winner, Devontae Smith, he's the X-Factor. You can't contain him. He gets the job done. I think Alabama wins in a thriller, a shootout. I think it'll be 55-48 Alabama. That's my prediction. Yes, it'll be high scoring. It'll be fun to watch. Better tune in and watch it. Tomorrow, Luca and I will have a breakdown of it right here, what we saw, what happened. But for now, thank you for listening to us. Thank you for watching Josh's Sports Show. This has been enjoyable to talk about, everybody. Hope everybody had a great weekend and enjoy the national championship. Goodbye. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening.